0: My life came to a screeching halt and it was, I didn't take that lightly. And so when the bone marrow started working and they started telling me that I was getting clean scans, I was like, you know what, I have to move forward and make sure that I am taking care of myself and then give back.
1: Hello and welcome to A Call for Love. I believe the most powerful gift you can offer yourself is to give and receive love more freely. I'm your host, Linda Orsini, Meditation Guide and Spiritual Coach. Everyone has the desire to be seen, heard, respected and loved. The journey to becoming more connected to your greater purpose lies within the ability to live from the deep source of love within you. Let's begin. Welcome. Today I'm with Howard Brown, who is an entrepreneur at the heartbeat of technology innovation in Silicon Valley, and the best-selling author of Shining Brightly, award-winning international speaker, podcaster, survivorship coach, and two-time stage for cancer patient and survivor. He shares the keys to leading a resilient life with hope that drives successful community leaders, business innovators, and healthcare patient advocates. So be prepared to be inspired. I've been listening to his podcast, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the inspiration and the shining, bright message that he shares. So welcome, Howard.
0: Linda, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, A Call for Love is about how we can live in a place of love. And I know you've been through a lot. So your book, Shining Brightly, is very inspirational. What was the driving force behind your book, Shining Brightly? Well, I, I, thank you for asking.
0: Um, I am the least likely uh, published author you'd ever want to meet. And the reason is, is that I'm not a writer. So the quick story behind it is that uh, a friend of mine named David Crum, who's also a book publisher, was taking me out for coffee and a bagel. And I was very sick at the time under treatment. And he said, would you like to leave a legacy book? Well, let's do a short little Kindle book on uh, legacy for your wife and daughter, people to remember you, you've accomplished so much. And I said, no way. <laughs> um, I'm intimidated by that. And um, I came back from the bathroom and on the napkin, he had like 10 chapters written. He said, go, go home and ask Lisa and Emily, you know, if if we could write a book together. And I did. And they laughed at me and they're like, you write a book. Oh, my God. Grammar and punctuation are optional. And so I called David back a day or two later. And I said, David, I have one request to write a book with you. And he said, only one. I said, normally our authors uh, have lots of questions and requests. I said, I am not a great writer. You need to know your strengths. I'm a good speaker. I said, if you will record me on Zoom. With the most influential, important people in my life, I will write a book with you. And there was just silence on the phone. And he said, we've never done that before. And I got to get back to you. Well, he called me back. He said, we're going to have to be very dedicated every Wednesday for a couple hours, and we'll do it in a year. Well, like anything else, good things come to those who wait. Three years later, 158 interviews. And I have a published book uh, that came out in September that is basically a life guide uh, to living a resilient life uh, with hope and, and doing good, good deeds in this world.
1: So that is, it's really powerful. I love your message and, you know, your versatility in deciding what your strengths are and what they aren't, and then navigating through that to empower yourself to create your legacy work. So yeah, really so, awesome.
0: so it's great because now, I got to walk back my life. How many times do you get to do this? Now, listen, we went from, you know, cancer into COVID. So it was a very good use of time as well. But I got to go back and explore my entire family history in detail from my grandmother coming from Lithuania, my, my grandfather that fought in World War II, and then my first boss, my doctors, my friendships around the neighborhood uh, you know my basketball coach from high school my camp counselors so it was such a cathartic thing it was healing for me because I was basically documenting my memoir and my life but also teaching lessons along the way and it was very cool experience I'm so glad I went through it it's a lot of work to get a book done but it's it was it's a great experience and now I'm a published author and a best-selling author it's it's cool to have people tell me what they've learned from my book and the lessons that they're applying to their lives and, uh, and how it makes their family experience feel or if someone else is now uh, sick or if they found their happy place and things like that. So different times they, I get messages or excerpts from the book of how, how it helped them or, or what they learned from it. And, and again, that's, you beam as an author that you actually conveyed that and had some impact on somebody. So that's,
1: that was, it's really cool. Awesome. Well, your book, Shining Brightly, really is about your journey, not only of your whole life, but really surviving cancer, not once, but twice. Can you tell us about that?
0: Sure. It's a long story, but we'll, we'll give you the highlight reel because, um, unfortunately, at age 23, I graduated college. I had just gotten promoted in, um, in my job in computers and technology, and I was moving uh, to Ohio, and on the way to Ohio, I noticed a small bump on my cheekbone and it was red. And I got out of the car and I called my mom on a payphone. We still had payphones in 1989, right? Summer of 89. And I said, it's pretty, she goes, it's probably nothing. And she had come out to visit me to help uh, get my apartment set up, like buy dishes and, and sheets, stuff that guys don't think about. <laughs> so she set my apartment up and it was growing. And, um, we didn't know anybody there and I didn't feel bad, so I I didn't know what it was, but I was flying back to Boston to do a presentation and my dad took me to a little community hospital. And then they they thought it was nothing. They thought it was a cyst, but I wasn't feeling very well. So they, uh, I, af, after that weekend, before I flew out, I went and got a, a, a piece of it taken out. They'd biopsied it and we waited a long time. This is 1989, we waited. And I didn't still know what I had. So I just went along with life. I was working out. I was traveling. I was doing my business. Um, and my parents were freaking out because we had no idea what this thing was. It was a big mystery. I got called back to Boston. And I went to this little community hospital. And I had seven doctors standing around me. And they said, you have an appointment at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute at 2 o'clock. I wouldn't be late. And then it hit me like, "I what? Why am I going there? Right? I get there. And they start to... Uh, put you through tests, and I'm in a waiting room, and I'm 23 years old, a bunch of old people, I thought, so I went down to the pediatric side of the Jimmy Fund and sat with the kids until they called me, and I got the news there that I had stage four T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I had uh, blood cancer of my entire lymphatic system with a very bleak prognosis. My mom was crying, my dad was a statue, and I turned numb. I basically, was a deer in the headlights. I didn't hear what they said next. And my, we went home that evening and my twin sister, very important, came to dinner. My dad went to the library and got a book on cancer. There was no internet. We had a book on cancer to learn about this stuff. And um, I ended up uh, starting treatment. But before I started treatment, um, my uh, liver function was too high. And this really smart Dr. Eric Rubin sent me to the cryogenic center. And I was like, cryo, what, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, go deliver a sample. I said, well, okay. So I did. I actually delivered a uh, sperm sample and then forgot about it. I went through treatment. I was failing treatments. And the best news was that my twin sister was an exact match and it's a one in 24,000 chance. There's registries called gift of life or be the match where they swab your cheek and you can donate your bone marrow to save someone's life, but it's a lottery. And On May 24th of 1990, my sister went in early and donated her bone marrow from her hip bones and they basically infused it in me and they told me and told me that it could kill me right away, it could kill me over time or it could work and they wait for your immune system to grow back. So I had tons of chemotherapy, tons of radiation to eliminate my immune system and then it started to grow back. Well, my my immune system became my sister's immune system and it worked. And then I did a clinical trial and I was able to reclaim my life back again. I had to put Humpty Dumpty back together again as a as 135 pound ball guy at age 24 and a half years old. So I moved to California. <laughs> that was where I wanted the sun and fun and all that. So that was very intense. My parents were my caregivers, um, I was immune compromised. So everyone that just went through COVID, I did that at age 23, I had to wear a mask. I had to wear gloves. My mom had to keep the house spotless and um, very intense time where w- my family, my parents and my sister and my friends very became very insular. Okay, We didn't have the digital communications. We had a busy signal. Our two phones in our house were always busy because people were trying to get through to find out how things were going on. Um, and I kind of actually spent a ton of time at the cancer hospital. So you're going through that battle with others. It's very humbling. And majority of the people in the stage four cancer world are dying. And so that back in 1990, my friends at my fifth year high school reunion thought I was dead man walking. So I learned a lot about myself um, and I knew that I had to get up and fight and we had to be able to put the pieces together. And I say every morning I look in the mirror from from this and then the second cancer is that I am blessed, I am lucky, and I'm grateful. That's no other way to explain it. My, twister, my twin sister, Miracle One, was an exact match.
1: Isn't that beautiful? I love how you say, you know, that each day is a blessing. It's a gift, right? And that's what the message here and the listeners on my podcast listen to, a call for love. It's a call for noticing and being grateful for each day and not taking it for granted. And that only happens, unfortunately, sometimes with a scare. But I know that you've been knocked down and came back again, and you stay so positive. How do you keep so positive? Where do you find your hope?
0: Well, I, it's really great that you asked that because hope is the four-letter word that I love. It's, it's the last chapter of my book. Without hope, the world gets very dark. And that's the shining brightly of peace, love, and hope uh, with the dove on my cover of my, of my book. Hope is that fuel that kept me going, Right. It's all the things that you want to do for one more day, one more week, one more time, spend time with your family, make memories, walk on the beach, go to a sporting event, see art, uh, cook a, uh, and, and taste a great meal. That, that's the fuel that, that kept me going. There was many days, Linda, that I couldn't get out of bed. There were many days that I had steroids and side effects and I, I, I was angry and I was disappointed, but... I kept my eye on the prize that I needed to be able to get back up again and to be able to continue living if I was granted the second chance. I don't take it for granted. So hope is is the key fuel. And then you mix in a lot of gratitude and you mix in a lot of being able to um, help others. So the mantra that I live by for that is hope is to lift up yourself. And I needed to lift up myself, but I needed a lot of help. So I needed people to come and help me. So I actually, and this is a hard thing to learn for most people. I learned to accept help. People had to help me in cancer number one and in cancer two. I had to allow them to do the good deeds and be able to want to help. For people to want to help someone else is love. And they did. And people came in my time of need. And that's really the important thing, and how did I do it? Small baby steps every single day, right? Two steps back, three steps forward, one step sideways. I worked at it. I worked at it. it, it you can't stay sedentary. So um, there were some days I sat and played video games all day. Other days I went out for a walk by myself. Sometimes I went for a car ride if I was able to drive. Um, you had to make the plan, and again, I was very disciplined because I my life came to a screeching halt. And it was I didn't take that lightly. And so when the bone marrow started working and they started telling me that I was getting clean scans, I was like, you know what? I have to move forward and make sure that I am taking care of myself and then give back. It's not, it's not what you get. It's what you give. I received so much love and encouragement uh, for cancer one and two that it's time to, it was time to give back. And I was always giving back. But now I am very, and the word is intentional about it every single day i lift myself up and then i go lift up others and then we join you know forces for good and positive change that's that's the image of god that's the image of a good life and a building a community and so i try to live those values and i do it intentionally every single day
1: that's really beautiful i love how you live intentionally because you have really opened your eyes to how you want to live because you've had not one chance, but a second chance. And there's so much to live for, for your really a call for love for you was offering yourself. What I'm hearing is offering yourself the ability to allow other people to give you love. And that's not always easy. We've discussed this on a call for love. How do you feel that you can offer the listeners of A Call for Love, some wisdom on how to accept love from others, especially when you're going through a hard time. Because I think in this society, we're conditioned to be really strong and then to really allow those to help us. It feels like it's not that we're weak. It's just that we're opening up for others to love us. And that's not always easy. I want to answer that question
0: by, by just touching on cancer too. So I got my life back. I I married uh, the love of my life, Lisa, in uh, California. Uh, My career is going great. I'm back playing basketball. I got my life back. Humpty Dumpty version one came back better and stronger than before. I became a big brother mentor. I was doing a very active role in giving in the community and fundraising uh, for the Jewish communities. And what happened was I got another miracle. We called for that frozen sperm. Right. And we got a beautiful, healthy daughter, Emily. So I'm getting back in in amazing ways to have a healthy daughter who now graduated college and is a reporter in Montana. And again, so for all the hardship I went through, I started to receive back some blessings. Now, At age 50, uh, the screening age for colonoscopy was 50. It's now 45. So I'll take a timeout and say, go get screened for your mammography, your prostate, your cardio, go to the dentist. Everyone missed a ton of appointments during COVID. Go get your colonoscopy. I went and got my colonoscopy. And unfortunately, uh, they found something in my intestine. And it was eight and a half centimeter tumor, stage three colon cancer, lightning struck again. And then it turned a year later into metastatic stage four colon cancer that went to my liver, my stomach lining, and my uh, bowel. Now, I was back on chemotherapy. I was back in surgeries. And then I went metastatic. Boy, did it get dark again. But we were living in the digital age. I was also a dad, also married. The times had changed. It was 26. Now it's 34 years later. Okay, And I was more of a Marine on a mission rather than a deer in the headlights. So I was actually knew that, did I know if I was going to live or die? Hell no. But I knew that I could call for the the, the masses. So boy, did I build a movement. The, the HB Strong movement and Shining Brightly movement all started then. And I was getting support around the world. Facebook allows that. LinkedIn allowed that. Text messaging allowed that. WhatsApp allows that. So the digital world came to support me through prayer, through cheerleading, through jokes, through... Um, Um, meal trains, through uh, uh, carpooling, through the school helping us. I mean, we got help so many different ways and in my time of need. So answering your question, real is accepting help makes you vulnerable? It doesn't. It actually makes you stronger to allow people to share their light and in your terms, love with you. So my first advice is go be selfish in your time of need, go be selfish. It sounds simple, not easy to execute on because you wanna do it yourself. You don't wanna ask for help. You don't wanna be a burden. You know what? In your time of need, that's what we do. I actually had have a lot of convincing of my high school and college friends to run a GoFundMe for me. I was embarrassed that I actually needed that because I racked up $4.8 million worth of medical bills. Right? But I allowed them to do it. And boy, that money helped a lot. And it was a very successful campaign. Second thing is that you yourself have to take some ownership of a muscle called resilience. Resilience is part physical and part mental. So the mental toughness part is you don't have to be Pollyanna but you actually do have to be able to be able to see in your blueprint of moving forward of what you can do on your end, okay? Can it be taking a walk a little further, right? Can it be actually uh, do finding your happy place, whether it's yoga, cooking, travel, mine's basketball court, finding that happy place, which is stress-free, um, getting help with the financial burden, if there's a financial burden. With me, I had a, a financial burden. And then actually being very disciplined in your relationships. Quite frankly, I lost friends and family during cancer. They didn't have, know how to deal with it. They didn't want to deal with it. They didn't have time to deal with it. And you have to be okay with that. The other thing is, is there's other people that come in and say, oh, it's nothing. You got this. And there's negativity. You have to have the discipline to weed out negativity. You don't need that negativity right now. Nobody does. There's plenty of negativity with a war in the Ukraine, with shootings, with fires, with lots of other stuff happening in this world. You have to be able to be disciplined to weed that out. And I did. And so that's where the positive attitude came from. That's where shining my light, okay, and receiving the light from others that fueled me. So those tips right there are the basics that I would say. And it all centers around receiving that love and then using that love.
1: I think, Howard, you are, and I know from listening to you, that not only have you learned to receive love, but you also give back a lot. How, how have you given back? So maybe it helps people to know that yes, they can receive graciously, but then we don't want to, we want to extend that. We want to extend that loving kindness outward again. So, what do you do to extend your, all the gifts and gratitude that you have in your life? How do you extend it outward?
0: So, as I said, I try to live it each day. So, the first thing is, is that if people go get screened, there is a good chance that something could get caught earlier and it can be treated. And to, I don't want even my worst, I don't know if I have any enemies, but my worst uh, people that don't know me, strangers to ever go through, and I know this won't happen because uh, you know certain cancers are on the rise, that to go through chemotherapy, radiation, uh, surgeries, clinical trials, side effects. Oh my God, I don't wish that on anyone. It's horrible. And I had to do it twice in my life. All right. So that's the first thing is to, I want to scream up from the rooftop to go get screened. And, so and you're sharing your message. That's you're the sharing message. the
1: message, yeah. get tested.
0: Right. The second thing that I do is that I volunteer in the community, okay, uh, community service. One, it's healing for me. It puts you, uh, and again, during COVID, it was a little more restrictive. We were all tied to Zoom, but now we're coming back out. I actually walked the walk. I went and planted trees. I went and did a food drive. I actually helped raise money for the you know, uh, colon cancer walk. Um, so I actually do it through actionable things. And then the second piece that I think that um, when we were talking about before we came online, uh, on air is that mentorship. I counsel entrepreneurial students that are trying to get started in their careers. I counsel cancer patients that are um, five steps ahead and I call that cancer whispering or cancer mentoring. But I'm talking to people because I had my mentors that were five steps ahead of me that were pulling me along. And it's my obligation to go pull others along. And so mentorship is leadership. And, and, and if people practice that each day, it's a part of giving. And quite frankly, that's where the learning comes in. And that is giving back.
1: Excellent. I love that. You know, a call for love is about giving and receiving love. You not only received it, but you know, through all your examples and mentorship, because I know you are, have your own podcast, Shining Brightly, and you share the message of hope, resiliency, gratitude, and just living each day for yourself and for others. And I love how you say weeding out the negativity, because we, when I imagine that during this time, you need to maintain all your strength. It's so important that you keep yourself in a high vibration.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. I, I want, you know, basically I'm going to quote uh, this uh, gentleman, Chris Whitehead from the Iconic Alliance. He's a mastermind, uh, extraordinary leader. He says, listen, you have to take a check at where you're at. And he calls it the four F's. Where are you in faith? where are you in family, where are you in fitness, and where are you in finance, okay, so finance is if you're in business, where are you at, how are you giving yourself a scorecard, are you happy where you're at, and if you're looking at fitness, where are you in health, if you're looking at family, where are you in relationship, and faith is where are you with yourself, and if you got to check, and if you're out of alignment in any of those areas, it's up to you, to either do it yourself or go get assistance, call for help to go get yourself in alignment and get yourself in a position where you're, you feel that you're excelling. And so I, um, I'm learning. I'm just, we're all just students here.
1: Yeah, students, students of life. Yeah, students yeah. of we're life. Well, students. I really love that you shared your time here and your message and your message of hope. And thank you for being on a call for love. I'm going to include all your links in the show notes. And it was really awesome. If you wanted to say one last thing to the audience, is there anything else that you'd like to share? I do. And um, for those listening, I'm putting on
0: my white gold glasses and I'm shining light back to you, Linda, for having me on this. I'm grateful for that, uh, this opportunity to be on your show and talk to your audience. But my final message is that if anyone that wants to reach out to me, I'm very interactive. It's shiningbrightly.com for uh, my book, for my speaking and for podcasts. Uh, I also have downloads on survivorship, mentorship, and interfaith. um, And uh, again, it's beautiful. So I'll end with this. If we can all shine brightly just a little bit more each day for ourselves, for others and our communities,
1: the world will be a better place and we will all share love. Absolutely. Fabulous. Thank you, Howard. It was such a great time to talk to you and to share and listen to your message. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could share this episode with someone you feel could benefit from its message. And subscribe to a Call for Love podcast to receive new weekly episodes every Tuesday. Head over to globalwellnesseducation.com to learn more.